Sugar. Spice. Dice. Dice. Yes. Go with it, Gare. And... Nope, I got nothing. Nothing very <laughs> nice. Sugar, dice, and... I don't know. There's no... How come there are no Euro games about, like, cultivating rice or something like that? that would just... <laughs> there are plenty of Euro There have to be, right? <laughs> One of those games. These are the perfect ingredients to create a shitty board game. But Garrett Lively accidentally added an extra ingredient to the concoction. Thomas and Jeff. <laughs> and thus, this game was born. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Roll and Move, the Internet's podcast that takes a look at some of the worst or maybe not so good, maybe weird board games that have been produced, and we break them down, talk about what makes them work, give them our own personal ratings for you guys, keep a nice ranking list, you got it posted above your bedroom wall. You're going to be able to add to it today. My name is Thomas Youngerberg, one of the creators of Rough Draft Games, one of the co-hosts of this fine show, and with me here, as always, is... Gary Lively, original viewer of Cartoon Cartoon Fridays. Excellent. Not one of those bandwagoners, huh? No. Excellent. No, absolutely not. I'm totally not on any bandwagons. Good. Yeah, me too. I was. <laughs> I, I, I got onto the Cartoon Cartoon Fridays thing when... Um, Ed, Ed and Eddie joined up, so I wasn't. I'm not like a. Uh, oh, those Canadian father. cartoons, not even American-made, huh? Oh yeah, I know. Uh, Gotta tariff gonna get, that. Gonna have to get deported there. All right, <laughs> and also with us is Jeff Lee. I never understood when they drew cartoons why they never had fingers and the eyes were as big as a head. Um, I never asked that question since I watched anime, and those eyes are so big it uh, almost makes you nauseous. So. <laughs> They, they you get used like to it. Get you build up a tolerance. Yeah. <laughs> it's an easy way to defeat the, the superhero. Speaking of gigantic eyes on very small bodies, today we're, we're looking at a Powerpuff Girl game. Garrett, you remember the Powerpuff Girls, right? Oh, absolutely. Avid watcher of the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I actually... <laughs> See, Garrett, I, I remember, I remember you had a Halloween costume, right? Of Bubbles? I was Mojo Jojo. You're Mojo Jojo. I don't know. I remember that differently. Yeah. I remember the picture. It was a it was a converted Chewbacca uniform or not uniform costume with a giant fishbowl on your head. I put a fishbowl on my head. Yeah. <laughs> one of those uh, one of those Frankenstein or the the, the brain from Operation. I just yeah. threw that in there. I kind of just dinked around. It, was, it wasn't good. pretty good. Nobody nobody knew what I was. <laughs> I unironically liked the Powerpuff Girls. I thought it was a really fun show. I remember watching that quite a bit. When I uh, when I grew up, uh, fun fact: this is one thing I didn't know about the Powerpuff Girls. Has a very active AMV community on YouTube. Those are animated music videos for people who don't know. Those are usually the videos that people do for like Bleach, or they do them for different like Bleach. Yeah, well, <laughs> th these animated shows that have like not just a, a normal fan following, right. but like the type of fans that take content from the show, remix it, and then create their own content. It's not quite, right? I know if you guys can take a look at my hands right here, right? If we're if we're talking about shows that have like really active fan bases, probably at the bottom, probably like the least insane fans, you know, those are gonna be people who watch like, uh, I don't know, people who are fans of like The Price is Right. I don't think that has any insane fans that are doing like remixes and like fan <laughs> theories on Bob Barker. But so that's that's like down here, right? Those are like normal people with jobs, I like to imagine. And then uh, not us <laughs> up 
above that you have sort of like uh you know survivor fans fans of reality tv who tune in every week that's you gary you know a little bit a little normal cool yeah, when it comes to survivor you're probably not you know you might you might submit an audition tape to the show but yeah i doubt a couple that podcasts but not yeah that. you're not writing Get video a couple essays tattoos, on youtube who knows? yeah <laughs> you're not going too too nuts writing college dissertations on on survivor even though i'm sure those probably exist but not oh they do those actually things. one of the winners was a uh, he wrote his dissertation on, on how to win survivor anyway oh, okay awesome. so those those are out there but i i would say it doesn't necessarily hold a candle to so if you go one one step up higher on tom's sliding scale of fandom uh to coin a new term you have uh you have shows like now you're getting into like some Cartoon Network shows that sort of had like a cult following, like Ed, Ed, and Eddie. You go to a convention, right? And there'd be people dressed up in like the character costumes, getting a little higher up there. And then above that, once you start getting AMVs produced and like people, <laughs> their online personas are now dedicated to your show. It's like, hi, I'm a Papyrus Lover 38. That's like a character from Undertale. Now you've like, you've... Right this is you're you're now your show is now dominating 70 percent of these people's conversations and how they reach out to uh, other human beings and then so that's the a and b level and then above that is like the people who get super into like uh like steven universe and i would say some some undertale fans and like harry potter fans where like now, spider-man, spider-man yeah, cosplayers yeah uh, yeah yeah definitely spider-man cosplayers Just you know if, there's somebody there. out there who dresses up as spider-man you know and they get like professional pictures taken and you know they they you know they they have a fan page dedicated to them dressing up as Spider-Man, and they're Avengers asking meetups. people on Facebook. Yeah, they go to like Avengers meetup. They try to build problem, a fort out okay? of it, and yeah, yeah. build the Avengers yeah, those, those the, the fort. Those are the super freaks. Okay, you got problems at that point. I think we're at the second to last one on the sliding scale here when it comes to Powerpuff Girls. We just didn't know about it because the internet wasn't as big when we were kids. But really intense fandom. You would think, okay, of course there's going to be board games that come out for Powerpuff Girls, right? Of course there's going to be supplementary medium that come out. And some of it's good, some of it's bad. I have a couple of other Powerpuff Girl games that you guys uh, might remember here. Let me pull these up. While you're doing that, I'm curious to see, like, some of the some of the older cartoons, like, did decently... I wouldn't say decently well, but some of them, you know, had an interesting reboot. Like, I talked about it in a previous show, I think. Like, Rugrats did... <laughs> Rugrats all grown up. Do you think Powerpuff Girls would do well or terribly with like a Powerpuff Girls all grown up or like some sort of spin off? They did. They did an episode it? of that on the yeah. show where it was a it was like a parallel universe of the girls like when they were teenagers. Oh. And I think I it was like it was a really weird episode where they were like interested in like dating and like they hooked up with like the rowdy rough boys. And I think it was a fan service episode. I don't know really what it was. It's bizarre when you actually go and you... That's strange. Did they change it's... the art stylistically too? Well, actually, no, they didn't. Like, the girls still had, like, no fingers and stuff. Oh, was... weird. Really weird. <laughs> very, very odd. So here's a, here's a small list of these games, right? L- let me know if any of these sort of ring a bell here. We have the Powerpuff Girls Bad Mojo Jojo, which was a handheld game on the Game Boy Color. Most oh. of these are handheld games. Powerpuff Girls Paint the Townsville Green. Battle Him, Mojo nope. Jojo A Go Go, nope. Him and Seek, uh, <laughs> Game de Mashita, Powerpuff Girls Z. There is a Japanese version of the show that is an anime. Guys, I'm not surprised. So it is. Why am I not it surprised? Across that level, very disturbing. Uh, <clears throat> for console games, we have Relish Rampage, Rampage and Chemical Extraction. For PC, we have uh, 
Powerpuff Girls Gamesville, Powerpuff Girls Princess Snorbucks, uh, Powerpuff Girls Defenders of Townsville. And then, of course, they also appear in Cartoon Network uh, Punch Time Explosion, which is their version of Super Smash Brothers. So tons, tons of supper, supplementary media here that uh, these girls are involved with. So, of course, board games are going to be there. The only question is, all of these console games are rated super duper poorly, Garrett. Are we going to get the same thing here? What is the official name of this game? That we get? The official name is the Powerpuff Girls Saving the World Before Bedtime. One thing that's really funny is that's sort of the slogan of the show, right? If if you guys remember the commercials, they'd say Powerpuff Girls Saving the World Before Bedtime. It was sort of the uh, their do, version do, of do, the aliens do, 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 in space. Do, 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 do. No one can hear you scream. <laughs> so, but yeah, so... I was actually really surprised when we started playing this game that they managed to turn that into a pretty well thought out mechanic inside the game. That was excellent, yeah. Uh, and actually, this is the second game here in the last few weeks we've we've had from the same designer. Did you see the designer on this one? No, I didn't. Who's who's behind this game, Gear? Uh, this is Craig Van Ness, who is half of the team behind Battle Ball. One of oh, great! That was a great game. No kidding. Are you serious? Great, yeah. great game. So Craig Van Ness, uh, if you remember back in Battle Ball, uh, Battle Ball had two designers. Craig Van Ness was one of them, and he kind of appealed more to the the marketable crowd. He's done things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer game, Boxers or Briefs, but Ugly Martians. Um, so you know things that are you know relatively well known IPs. And then uh, Stephen Baker, who who I believe did what would you say? It wasn't Hero Quest. It was or what? Hero no, it was Quest. Hero Quest. Or, mm-hmm. Hero Quest is. Um, the D&D yeah. light version you, you mentioned. So those two came together to make Battle Ball. So, uh, yeah, Craig Van Ness is the designer behind Saving the World Before Bedtime here. That... So I'm not surprised that they he had an interesting theme to work into the mm-hmm. basically the catchphrase of the game. Yeah, really, really interesting take on uh, where you could take sort of the gameplay mm-hmm. for a game like this one. Um, and we're, we're definitely going to get into it. Uh, who Who's the actual publisher of this game, Garrett? Do you know? Uh, uh, Hasbro and Milton Bradley, right? Yep. Yeah, it was Hasbro and Milton, ba- Milton Bradley. Okay, so Rolls-Royce of board game the companies Rolls comes Royce out with this guy. Board game companies and this came out really right at the peak of sort of the mania of Powerpuff Girls because it was a smash hit for Cartoon Network. It was part of their cartoon cartoon lineup, which you alluded to in your little intro there, Gare. Um And this game came out in 2000, right? Yep. Now, keep this in, to keep this in perspective, the Powerpuff Girls movie came out in 2002 so this was like right after season two of powerpuff girls where it was still fresh it was still new and it was still very much on the up and up hadn't nearly jumped the shark there's a lot of critiques from fans that say that in its final like three seasons the show had pretty much gone downhill and like done its course and the creator of the show had walked away from it at that point but it is still very much a uh a full the, the train is very much going forward because I know we've done a couple of board games on this podcast in which it looks like the board game comes out sort of right after <laughs> like way after it's already been popular like way after it's had its Napoleon time Dynamite comes to mind. yeah like exactly 10 years after, right? or sometimes like they try to like it seems like they're trying to revamp or repump up the the following with a board game mm-hmm. for some like of all things you know um they tried to like you know revitalize the it's interesting you bring that up thomas because i I was doing a little digging as well and they actually tried to re-implement this game in 2016 with uh powerpuff girls saving townsville before bedtime so really yeah and so this is actually by pressman Mm -hmm. so and pressman 
Yeah, Pressman are, are, are good friends. And I don't have any credits as far as who the designer was, but it looks like it is different from the Hasbro version. I, I would assume they couldn't have directly lifted the lifted the game from Hasbro, but and obviously the Hasbro had gotten the original, you know, slogan saving the world before bedtime. This is saving Townsville before bedtime. But everything else looks uh, you know, pretty similar. They have uh, basically you're going throughout Townsville, you flip over tiles and that reveals what enemy you're fighting and you're you're working your way up to eventually fight Mojo Jojo. Um, I, I guess we should actually talk about the game we played today before that. But they did try to reimplement this back in twenty sixteen. So, you know, that makes point, sense because there was a Powerpuff Girls reboot, I believe, right. in 2016. Yeah. Right. But to mm. your point, they uh, I, and I, I actually think Cartoon Network was behind both versions of this game. So it looks, or not behind, but... Well, they have to be because it's Cartoon Network. Right, right, right. Like, um, and this one had, it looked like some nice little miniatures to go along with it. So it's very, very interesting. But yeah, they, they have tried to, I guess, get this out at the height of Powerpuff Girl popularity a, a couple times now. All right. Well, with that, I think it's about time to crack open the box and see what we're dealing with before we can compare it to the Pressman version. So, Gare, you want me to? You want me to do this one? Wait. Oh shit! Oh my god! I totally. I. I'm. I'm sorry, Jeff. I. I've already forgotten. I've just gotten used to saying, and requesting Gareth to, to please don't be angry. Let please me grab calm this down box. Here. Okay. There it is. All right, Jeff. What's in the box? Yeah. So this time I took the liberty. Um, to head down to our favorite sponsor or non-sponsor half price books uh they had a great memorial day sale this is a small uh plug for you so please plug us back 20 um, percent off during memorial day 2020 2020 <laughs> next year hopefully it's going to be 100 percent off for us um so inside the box if i crack this open we have a normal uh you know fold out you know double fold board you know your typical board um that was a box and <laughs> <laughs> Inside that box, you've got a stack of cards uh, that uh, every player will be drawing. It's got things like um, where the players want to move. We've got uh, player pawns for each of the main characters: Blossoms, Bubbles, and Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup. Um, and then you get a bunch of tiles for the villains. Um, the tiles will tell you what you need to defeat that villain. The tiles sometimes will reveal traps. And the tiles will also reveal um, what are Professor Utonium cards. And I'll talk about the rules in a second as well. So a couple pieces there, uh, cards, some cardboard punch outs, and uh, some pawns. So yeah, um, you know, pretty standard board game type material. Um, I actually didn't get to have the thrill of punching out these um, pieces. So this was done before me. Um, oh, and I also forgot to mention that there are three die um, in... in in light of a lot of the games that we played before, that this is one of those generic dice that you have to put the stickers on. I don't know why they don't just go ahead and, you know, create the die for you. But there's three die, one for each Powerpuff Girl, a red, blue, and a green one. And that's all the pieces in the box. So to sort of give you an idea, this isn't a game where you're necessarily trying to go around the board like Monopoly style or anything like that. Instead, this is very much a exploration and fighting game. Do you want to give them a little breakdown of the rules real quick? Yeah, Jeff? yeah. In Spirit of Garrett, I'll open up the rulebook here. It's a nice uh, two-page rulebook. Um, it's got some. It's actually got some pretty good artwork on it. Um, it's not pretty. Uh, it's not all verbiage here. Um, so pretty well done. Um, I think Garrett would have liked this rulebook. Garrett, what do you what do you think you'd rate this rulebook here? Well, that, it's a, a little pretty flimsy, but it is looks like it is pretty quick to get through. However, I, I will say you did make the comment. You, you seem to be struggling a little bit with uh, finding rules 
going through there, so I'm not sure about the conciseness of this. I did, yeah. I don't know if it was me, given that I'm not usually the game master, or uh, or if it was rules himself. I'm going to blame them um, <laughs> instead of myself here. Um, but yeah, so the rules, um, generically what happens is each player can control all three of the Powerpuff Girls at any time. Um, you will play two of your uh, two cards from your hand to either control the Powerpuff Girls or make them all go to a certain location or something like that. And the object of the game is to defeat four villains. So the first player to defeat and collect four villain tiles will win the game. Um, and uh, the way that the turn order goes is actually really interesting. Instead of having uh, you know a uh, clockwise turn order, for example, uh, the way you play your cards, each card has a sp uh, has a specific time at the top left. So let me look at some. For example, um, there's a blossom card here that says move blossom up to three spaces. And at the, top, at the top left, it says 2.40 p.m. So it kind of incorporates that before bedtime aspect that we were mentioning before. Um, and the, the time at the top left is actually really important because the play order is determined by the clock time at the top left. So let's say Garrett plays a card for 2.40. And then let's say Thomas plays a 3 o'clock card. The 3 o'clock card comes after the 2.40 card, obviously. And so they'll, they'll get resolved in that order. So it's actually kind of interesting. It kind of mixes it up, adds a little bit of strategy into, um, you know, there's a little bit of mind gaming into what you think your player, your um, your opponents might have, and and how you might counter those, and trying to figure out where you might squeeze in your turns, um, because you might be trying to move the same pawns that your uh, opponents are as well. So um, definitely interesting in that aspect. And was, so, I, did, did you mention how you kind of fight the villains? Yeah. So um, when you flip over the villain tiles, uh, the villains themselves will tell you the villains are randomized. Um, but the villains themselves will tell you how you might defeat them. So you might roll, uh, for example, to defeat Spike, uh, you have to roll one or more hearts to capture him. Um, and like I mentioned on the dice, there are, um, there are two heart, single heart spaces, a double heart space, and then a heart that says V, or a side that says V, and that's uh, an immediate villain win. So if the villain wins, then your player gets knocked out and nobody can move that pawn. Um, and so that was actually part of our strategy as well. At times we would uh, purposely try to... Get people knocked out, yeah, so people can capture villains later on. But um, yeah, the the villains are shuffled randomly; they're placed face down, and you try to defeat them just by rolling some sort of minimum number of hearts to uh, to capture the villain. Um, and then there were also on the board there were location spaces, so major location key locations in the show, like, um, like Mojo Jojo's Mojo Lair, Jojo's the, Lair the dump, yeah, things like that. And so there were cards that would tell. Uh, for example, one of them here says move all Powerpuff Girls to the museum or the dump so that um, you can use all the dice together to defeat a villain. So obviously the more dice you use, the easier it is to meet those minimum requirements for defeating villains. Um, but that's basically it. Yeah, and so we went around, um, and then, if I recall correctly, Thomas was Thomas got a really fast lead. Is that right, Thomas? Yeah. Uh, so when I was playing first round, I managed to take out two villains, so I was already halfway to victory. And then within the next like two rounds, I managed to get uh, another villain. So I was almost there. And this is sort of where the game balances itself out as far as luck goes. There is a lot of player-based solutions to sort of mitigate how far back you are, or how far forward you are. Because as soon as you get that much of a lead, immediately puts a target on your back, right? So Garrett and Jeff just immediately started using any sort of defensive strategy that they could. For example, they have the mayor card in the very beginning of the round. 
you have to put down the cards that you're going to use in order to move your pieces, right? I want to move Blossom at 3.30, and then I want to move Bubbles at 5.30. Well, you can put out a Mayor card that at 1 o'clock cancels any other player's uh, move instructions. So you can essentially rob another player of an entire... of half of of their moving, of their time to move and get the job done. Another thing that you can do is those re-rolling tiles that you sometimes collect. You flip over a tile... And it turns out to be a re-rolling tile that you're able to sack away, put away. Jeff wound up getting five of them. Yeah. And made me re-roll my winning hand like three or four times. Just prolonging it until I either got knocked out or I got... Because I was right on the precipice of victory multiple times. <laughs> multiple times, this. Garrett. I don't, don't know you dare. You guys might have guessed. Uh, spoiler alert! But Thomas actually didn't end up winning, even though he had a great lead against. I had us. a great lead. I managed Stop. to get there multiple times. I would have had the victory twice, but I got. I knocked out both of my girls. Right, both of them. Both of them knocked out. It was awful. And then uh, the next turn, Garrett used both of his mayors to cancel both of my efforts to. Uh, move all the entire girls, squad yeah, of girls, spot. which would have been victory. One right, thing guys, I will listen. say is the way that we played this for the first like half of the game, we were playing hands up or fate like our 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 the hands in our uh, all the cards in our hand. Excuse me, were face up so everyone could see what we had. So it became a lot more difficult to keep moving forward when everyone had full knowledge of what your intents were to do to do for the round, and then you know you could you could plan your your defenses accordingly to thwart the player. So that that did make things a little bit more difficult, but it wasn't necessarily unfair. I won't I won't say that. I, I'm not going to say that I was robbed, um, but it certainly was a different sort of play playtime experience than might have been if we were all in the same room and we had we had the ability to hide our cards. But playing over webcam, what are you going to do? Yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was really funny and um, interestingly enough, like had some of the cards got distributed a little differently. The game could have got a, ton, a, a definitely different way. So, like Thomas mentioned, that I got like five of the reroll cards. If Thomas had, you know, even just one more reroll card than I had, then he would have, you know, trumped me there. So, um, you know, I could have used my rerolls to to no avail, and he could have just kept using his rerolls to encounter of what I was doing. So, um, it just mm-hmm. so happened that I I didn't have that many villains, but I had a stockpile of reroll cards. Garrett had gotten a lot of cancel player cards, and we just kind of clawed our way to make sure that Thomas couldn't finish the game. Uh, and 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 win really really quickly. Mm-hmm. And and I was very shocked at how frustrated I was because towards the end of the game I'm getting all these cards that are later in the evening, right? So Garrett, it's pretty close or, to bedtime. Yeah, it's so close to close. bedtime. Yeah. And uh, you and Jeff can leave me stranded on a side of town that doesn't uh, that where all the cards have already been discovered and or fought, and so. Like, you don't want to move later in the day. But there is a nice balancing effort that I noticed in the mechanics where the cards that allow you to move later in the day, that you they allow you to move more spaces. Or there is some sort of a trade-off as far as the power goes of, of those cards. Yeah, I really so, like the timing mechanic. And I thought it was a nice introduction into, you know, some of your more... Uh, your, you have these loops and games that kind of overlap and like, yeah, this whole system is all about timing, but it ties into how you move, when you're going to go, whether or not your character is going to be knocked out. And so what, what is this game for? Like eight, eight and older? Is that yep, right? Eight and up. It's, it's a lot of, there's actually a lot of strategy for a timing mechanism for kids that are eight and up actually. Yeah. I, and I was going to say, and I know we've talked about this a lot, 
sometimes games don't get the age group just right. And I, I feel like this might be kind of on that edge where it's like not, it's a little maybe too complex for somebody that's eight. I don't know. I mean, I, I would think that yeah, at least to truly grasp the, that timing mechanism. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think it, it's great that they'll know, they can get a sense for like who goes next, like just the pure, like, you know, mechanism of the game, but they might understand how to strategize around that, which is something that we got to do, which is, Really, really interesting. And, and to your point, Garrett, you know, usually you go in a clockwise manner and you kind of know like who's going before and after you and you really have to worry about them. But now it's a, this opens up to a lot more moves and counter moves because you have to worry about any player at any point, um, just depending on what cards they might have in their hand. So that, that was really interesting to me. And I, I felt like it made the gameplay a lot more, um, it added a, a, touch, a touch more strategy just because it was sort of an asynchronous sort of, um, you know, uh, turn order. Did you touch on the art, Jeff? Like, is this basically just stills from a Cartoon Network? What do we... Yeah, we so the way that the game board just... is set up is um, it's just kind of a maze. If you can imagine, like, a, a bunch of different places, place tiles on a mat, and they're all connected by little lines um, so that you can move about, you know, different spaces. Um, some of those spaces have um, specific title names, like like I mentioned before, Mojo Jojo's Hangout. Um, let me look at the board really quickly. I think it was a like generic, you know, background town art, but I don't know if they had um, specific art for, you know, some of the major key locations. I would be very surprised if they had specific art developed for the game, just because there is so much concept art, especially when you have an animated TV series. Like, there, you, you have so much concept art. Okay, we need a image of bubbles kicking big billy in the stomach yeah do we have an animation cell with that stuff on it yes we do so i'm looking at the board right now and then so most of the generic um spots are just like it might just be like a, a city scene that's shaded orange or purple or blue or whatever color and then for specific spots that are well known like the powerpuff girls home uh, it actually shows the art for that house or pokey oaks kindergarten uh, it actually shows the art for that school so that Hey, hey, what's that saying up in the top left-hand corner? Kablooey. Uh, I thought it said Kablooey. <laughs> claim trademark. Yeah, that, that, was, that would be not even the right network, actually. <laughs> Continue. One thing that I will say about the art is, I, I mean, I love all the art assets that they're using from the show. They're using, uh, it's pretty easy stuff to get your hands on. One thing that I will say is, even with all the mechanic stuff, I feel like the card design is sort of lazy. Uh, you have the time in the upper left-hand corner. You have the still, single still image. And then you have just like a little bit of text at the bottom of the card. There's no border for a lot of these cards. I mean, there's a little bit around the Blossom Bubbles and Buttercup move cards. But it's sort of like in the middle of the card. It doesn't look quite right. I feel like with a game like this where you... That's all about animation and all about drawing. I feel like that they skipped a little bit or they 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 didn't do they could have made these art these cards so much more beautiful when it comes to their artwork and really for example like on the all girls move everywhere card it's just the three girls one two three in color in the very middle of the card like the animated portions of this card are just like probably like 30 percent of the card has drawings on it and the rest of it is just text and i don't think that's really quite I expect more from an animated show with people as talented as I know the ones who are working on this. Yeah, right? there's definitely too much white space um, on mm-hmm. those cards, and it's funny because 
the villain cards that are tiled, um, they look pretty. They look like they're done pretty well. Um, and I think mostly because there's a lot less white space because the cards are just smaller. So like, right. I think they understood the concept, but they for some reason when they did the full size cards that we have to draw from to build our mm -hmm. hands, they just they got. I agree with you. They got really lazy. They could have drawn them. You know, one sort of. Um, one sort of iconic scene of the Powerpuff Girls is when they fly, they have these like, you know, jet streams, like they, they have like colored jet streams, like, you know, Blossoms is red and Bubbles is blue and Buttercup is green. And you see where they fly. And then even something like that, right. when they, if they showed a picture of them flying when they're moving uh, mm -hmm. on that card, that would have been really easy card art that would have, you know, leveled yeah. up the card. Instead, art they're the just card. hovering. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, if you look at the back of the box too, Jeff, because I'm looking at an image of it right now, like the, even the back of the box is mostly white. It's white background with a little bit of the board game design, some card snippets, and uh, just some text, right? I do want to say about the back of the box, they tell you exactly what game experience you're getting into, which is a common pet peeve of mine. So that, just... I, I mean, I like, I like the fact that they're telling you exactly what you're getting. I just feel like this is one of those games that would benefit from a battle ball-esque or crossfire-esque, you know, picture of two kids playing the game going, oh, like freaking out, right? Yeah, right. I, it, there's no shame in having images, more expansive and colorful real-life images of of people enjoying your game. Or I understand if they wanted to keep it within the art, the, the artistic side of things and make it sort of like in-universe, I feel like there should be a drawing on the back of the box. Yeah. I feel like the world should be at animated rather than just blank and white and that's it i'm curious so the updated version saving um townsville townsville, townsville before bedtime uh, did they i wonder if they incorporated anything into their art or if it's pretty much the same it honestly looks a lot um, plainer oh okay <laughs> how do you get more plainer from this <laughs> the the board itself is like a it's like a i don't know 15 by 15 grid and you you post a link in the chat gear that's the new animation style i know that but jeez man yeah, like the that, whole, they got this colored pencil sort of style. It looks like a coloring book. Yeah, and the, the it looks like you place kind of the card. I think you do the cards kind of the same way where you build the tent. Like the monsters will be at various places, but like that's gonna add all the color to the board. The board's very. I mean, it's mostly the sky, and it's like yeah. this mm -hmm. very pale sky blue, and that's what seventy five percent of the board. I don't like it. Don't it's like got it. sort of a sixties vibe to it. I'm not feeling it. Garrett, what do what what do other people say online about this game? Huh? Are are people well receiving of the Powerpuff Girls game? Slightly surprised, like we were, or is it? Uh, are people just not having it? Oh, uh, we, we got a handful of reviews here. We have we've actually had some uh, really nice in depth reviews that are basically a couple parents having their children tell them what they thought about the game, and then them transcribing it into a board game geek review. Um, I really liked how they did that. Uh, I'm just going to briefly read a couple of these. Yeah, go here. through it. The Powerpuff Girls, this game is about Powerpuff Girls and about Momo Toto. It's about <laughs> Tony. Momo Toto. Uh, he puts a couple of action, you know, he tells you what the kid's doing. He says, these, points at the dice, are part of the game. They make the girls go to sleep if they don't get enough hearts. Uh, it's the best right. game ever. I like it more than Gula Gulo. I like it more than Monkey Madness. It's as good as hot dogs. So there you go. It's from, as uh, good as hot dogs. Good. Yeah. So that is from maybe uh, normal Jay hot dogs. Littles, I don't know about Costco. Jay Little's sons. Yeah, Costco's got some pretty good hot dogs. No. But yeah, Momo Toto, great part of the game. Yeah. So you know, as far as kids go, 
and apparently this is a, I mean, this is a four-year-old playing, so I'm not sure how effectively he used the timing issues, but not issues, mm. but mechanics. But yeah, he, he had a great time with it, and the, the parents seemed to think it was an excellent little gateway game for him. Yeah, as long as the kid's having a good yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. I found another one I thought was really funny, because he gave... Uh, he gave one review when the kid was eight, his his child was eight, and then, or sorry, when his child was five, and then another update later on was when his child was eight. So it goes, um, very fun. I discovered that my five-year-old can play it, even though she can't read. Um, I've never seen her enjoy victory so much. I think she's going to be a thematic gamer. Awesome. And then the update says, play with a five-year-old who is now eight, and she didn't like it. <laughs> so those three uh, years, yeah, changed a lot. So it, her, I guess she's a Euro game. I know, uh-huh. and it says her analysis. It doesn't have any strategy. All you can decide is where to move. <laughs> is where to move. It's all luck. So we need this eight-year-old on our show. She was eight in 2015, so. This girl is gotcha, well, mechanic. Is just, why don't you just go play Munchkin? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> This girl exactly followed my character arc as a board game. Player. Exactly, it was it's incredible yeah. to see like immediately she just like had this disdain for this, you know, Cartoon Network shill that his dad her dad was making her play. But I, I just I found that really interesting. You know, three years made a huge difference as to what this this the taste of board game this girl liked was. Mm-hmm. Almost like a horseshoe effect, maybe. The older you get, like, because I'm seeing some adults on like Amazon that are like complimenting the the time mechanic and some. Uh, some of their comments here and yeah I, I maybe it's the older that you get you know as a, as a kid you're like oh well, the subject matter doesn't appeal to me it's either too easy or too baby like but then the further that you go you're like oh that time mechanics really cool there's a lot of intricacies here that sort of balance out uh when you go in the day so maybe it's not so bad um but yeah i it's a lot of people are giving this game pretty decent praise when it comes to it's simple design, and yet it's quick play time and sort of very, very fast-paced action. So who here wants to start us off as far as reviews go with uh, the official RDG? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be quick and to the point. If you don't like if you, if you don't like Mario Kart, because you're going to lose if you're in first place going into the third lap, you're not going to like this game. <laughs> I only play Mario Kart, no items. I play Super Smash Brothers, Final Destination, no items, Fox only, okay? I thought you were going to say Final, Final Fantasy Fantasy with no items. I was going to be like, wait. <laughs> Final Final Fantasy, nope. no Phoenix Downs. No Go. Uh, Resident Evil 4 and I front. You just don't even use guns. Oh my gosh. That's, That's right, dude. All skill. No randomness. No I got to get that RNG out. So as, as you were saying, so if you don't like RNG, yeah. If you well, don't like Mario, yeah. If you don't like Mario Kart, don't like. No, no. If, if you abhor it because of the catch leader mechanics where you're actually at a disadvantage because you're in first place, then you're not going to like this. And I think that is. I mean, that is the, that's where the game is going to boil, that's what it's going to boil down to for most players, especially, you know, players of our age group. Um, I think it's excellent for, if you're a fan of Powerpuff Girls, if you were, you know, back in 2000s, if you were 8, 9, 10 years old, I think it's a, I mean, you're going to like it because it's got, you get to be the Powerpuff Girl, and you get to go around and, Beat up some iconic baddies. I really love the baddies, by the way. Little Arturo. Yeah, I'll read I forgot for about you. him. There's Little He's Arturo. Great. There's uh, the Rowdy Rough Boys, Lenny Baxter, the Princess, Big Billy, Snake, the Claw. They're great. They got a ton of villains in the show. I totally forgot about a lot of these. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, I'm a big fan of Mario Kart, big fan of Powerpuff Girls, five and a half out of ten. Oh, wow. I will. Uh... I'll jump in here next on on this one. I thought the game uh, had a really cool time-based mechanic. And even though there was a lot of gotcha mechanics and infuriating uh, methods in which 
you guys are able to control my actions. I thought I was going to have this game ended in three rounds, and it managed to drag out, to my, much to my surprise, with the sort of slingshotting mechanics. It was infuriating, but at the same time, I imagine I would have been very grateful for those mechanics had I been in your guys' situation. Um, so I, I won't necessarily fault it for, you know, my loss. Yeah, but, I think the key to that, just real quickly to jump in, is like the game is is a sh- it's a short game, so like it's not like you've spent two hours building up, you know, mm-hmm. these like three things, <laughs> and then yeah, and then you can just like the other players can just not like like they can just stop you from winning, like they can just have this card that says nope, you don't win yet, nope, you don't yeah. win yet, and eventually like you just have to trudge it out. The the key to that is like this is a quick game that like makes no yeah, it doesn't apologize for being very much luck based, right. Um, I really liked it. Really, the only drawback that I could find with the game is the artwork, which I touched on earlier. I thought that for an animated game, for for a game based on an animated property, excuse me, where I know there is so much, there's so much stuff and assets that exist out there. I wish that Cartoon Network had a little bit more of a heavy hand in the, in not just the design of this game, because the design I thought was fine, but rather the graphic design of the game where they could help take it to that next level and just, if they had just gotten, they don't even need custom work. You just raid the Cartoon Network offices and find like some really nice backdrops uh, that were painted or drawn for the show. And you can implement those throughout the throughout it too. And like giving the cards some nice frames I thought would have done a really great job. But other than that, I thought it was a perfectly great game. It was very fun very very acceptable i would probably play this again with uh if i had kids if they were p- fans of powerpuff girls i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind playing this game with them it would not be too much of a chore so i'm gonna give this a five awesome that leaves me so um yeah i agree with all the sentiments that you guys mentioned so um from a gameplay perspective i really appreciated that it was a pretty complete game you know there's a you were allowed to sort of counter and strategize against the players that you're playing against. There was a way for you to win and come back in the game. Um, there was a gotcha mechanic and I, and I agree with Garrett. It's not like you're, you know, investing a, a lot of time into the game. So you feel really bad when you can't win. Um, although Thomas was pretty upset, <laughs> but I can understand why. And then, uh, um, video of that. I, I hope you don't have it. <laughs> and then, uh, but I agree. I think, you know, for me, the, the biggest miss is thematically, they could have done a lot more. They had the board, the board art I thought was, um, fine enough. Um, the card art could have been better. The really the biggest thematic thing that I thought was really awesome about the game, which ties into the mechanics, is the time um, when the Powerpuff Girls or when the cards were played in in order of the time that they were the time that they had on the card. Otherwise, like you know how they defeated the villains wasn't that different or special. It actually reminded me a lot of um, you know King of Tokyo or King of New York kind of style, where um, oh yeah, you kind of ha- you fight monsters, you kind of beat whoever's up, um, beat up whoever's in first place, and they have a specific role and you roll dice. So there's a lot of similar mechanics and that game came out years and years later. So, um, yeah, but I enjoyed it overall. I thought I had a lot of fun. Um, and it was, it was pretty nostalgic. So I'm going to give this, uh, I think I'm going to give this like a 5.25. Very nice. What does that put our average at Mr. Garrett? That's 5.25 average. We are uh, just about 0.65 off from the board game geek average of 5.9. So this is actually pretty well regarded on board game geek. Uh, again, a six is like, I'll play it if I'm in the mood. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think for, uh, again, we kind of talked about kids games are, mm-hmm. you know, not as reviewed as, as a lot of other games on board game geek. So I, I think that's a, that's a fine score. The parties 
that I would remove this from my shelf to play it with are probably few and far between. But yeah, if if the time came where I was like, okay. If you're ever at a Powerpuff Girls convention or a Rowdy Rough mm-hmm. Boys convention and they're playing this, you'd sit on down. You'd, you'd, you'd join, yeah. yeah. And I know you guys are laughing at the idea of a Rowdy Rough Boys convention, a convention based off of villains that were in a grand total of like six episodes. But I would not be surprised. These are level four fans, guys. You got to remember the <laughs> sliding score. Fans. These are level four fans. You never know what they're going to do next. But I can tell you what we're going to do next. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up here because it's getting a little close to our bedtime. So if if you would like to uh, if you would like to uh, wish us wish us well before we uh, we go bedtime after saving the day on this uh, this very power this day filled with Powerpuff Girl adventures, you can go ahead and. Send us your well wishes at Rough Draft Games on Twitter. You can talk to us about board games, talk to us about the show, or you can talk to us about our new upcoming game, All Rise, which Jeff will tell you about more when it's his turn to talk. Until <laughs> then, what else can they do, Gare? You get that secret ingredient, that chemical X that's really going to take us over the edge. Maybe you get the perfect board game to be played. Send us an email, roughdraftgames at gmail.com. And lastly, if you want to know what kind of sugar to eat, what kind of spice to use, and what's everything nice about the board games that we like, come check out our thematics on our roughdraftgames.com website. Alongside that, we have other episodes of Roll and Move you can check out along with this one. And lastly, and also most important, is our All Rise board game that we're hoping to kickstart later this year. Come on and check out that page, check out what the game's about, sign up for a newsletter to learn more, and keep in the loop with the community. For those wondering, it's brown sugar. It's brown. It's always been brown. It's got the it's got the syrup infused in. It's good stuff. Significantly better than regular sugar. Better than the regular sugar. And lastly, we would be remiss if we did not go ahead and thank those of you who have given us five stars on iTunes. It helps us expand the program, gives us feedback, tells us what you think we're doing right, what you think we're doing wrong. And I would just like to encourage you guys to go ahead, go over there and leave a review. And if inside that review you recommend a board game for us to play and then review on the show, guess what, big guy? We're going to do it. We will do it. We will take your suggestion to heart and we will give you our opinion, our official Rough Draft Games rating. You're going to go down in history, our, our website, podcast history. You will be etched in stone with the fact that your game has now become a part of the collection of someone, some poor misfortunate soul who has to eventually go out by uh, from, from our team. But, <laughs> Garrett, thank you guys for those of you who have participated in the rating system, and we look forward to hearing from the rest of you. Until next time, take care. <laughs>